Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Alright fam, I gotta start with just two words today. Just two words. Ready? Luka Doncic. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of NBA Today. It's playoff edition, baby. My name is Corbin Forge. You can follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. This is a HoopBall presentation, so make sure to check out the good people at HoopBall, hoop-ball.com, and on Twitter, of course, at HoopBallTweets. Ladies and gentlemen, Luka Doncic, I, 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 I admit it. I picked eight and first overall, the 2018 NBA draft. I did. I thought he would be a great fit for Phoenix. Uh, I thought that with his skill set as, as, a, as a modern big, that, that almost evoked memories of Shaq to me in terms of physical dominance potential, as well as a silky smooth mid-range game that could stretch out to three. I was very high on and and I wasn't as aware on Doncic. I hadn't really done all my draft work. I knew he was really good, looked at some scouting videos, you know, read from people I trusted, that sort of thing. But I don't know. I just erred on the side of, no, I think that, Booker and and Aiden is is a must have and and that you do that nine times out of ten. Uh, I am also the first to admit that I can and was dead dead wrong, and that's no slight on DeAndre Aiden. Of course, he's played well. He's had his ups and downs like most, but he's done well. But Luka Doncic has, I mean, going from rookie of the year to being not only able to be considered a contender for most improved, but also for MVP. I mean, what do you do with that man? And forget all that. The dude whips up a triple-double, scores 42 points, and hits a three at the buzzer to tie the series up against the Clippers 2-2 in a 135-133 Dallas Maverick playoff win. And and this is on a sprained ankle, no less. Just a if you do feel I need to reiterate that, on a sprained ankle, a 40-point triple-double with the game winner, what can this man not do against two of the elite defenders wing-wise in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which, oddly enough, neither was guarding <laughs> Dantage when he hit that three. It was actually Reggie Jackson. Uh, and, I, I mean, there I'm sure the tactical reason, I have to look it up. I was thinking, foot speed-wise, okay, you know, with 3.6 seconds on the clock, you know, he's not going to get all the way to the rim, especially with the sprained ankle. You know, he's going to go for a three. Maybe Jackson's quickness can can deter, you know. And, and, and the Clippers did a lot of, of switching and pre-switching action. So maybe they just got caught up in that. I, I, I don't know. But it was a deep step-back three-pointer at the buzzer, totally pure, to give the Mavericks the win. 43 points, 17 rebounds, and 13 assists. This was their biggest playoff comeback. They overcame a 21-point second-quarter deficit. And they ran a 16-0 run in the third quarter to take the lead. And they led by 12 points in the fourth, which that alone is phenomenal for Dallas. Of course, the Clippers rallied. 
Lou Will went off for the Clippers. It was the the most out of nowhere, and this isn't really out of nowhere knowing that Lou Will can do this, but 65% shooting from the field, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. I know I'm bearing the lead, but 36 huge points to lead the Clippers in scoring. Right behind him was Kawhi Leonard, deadly efficient as usual, 32 points on 22 shots. Uh, went to the line a couple times, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, including one uh, that was the biggest one of the game for the Clippers, which was a nice look-away pass to basically pass open a Marcus Morris for a key three-pointer that even gave the Clippers the lead and set up uh, Doncic's uh, playoff magic. And it, it was it was a crazy one. Um, aye, aye, aye. I honestly don't even know what to say about that. Like, the play itself was electric. It was perfect. It was awesome. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to have to go back to Clippers because that's what I was talking about before I got just taken over by the euphoria of that shot and of that sequence. Uh, Marcus Morris hit the three. Uh, he was only one of four from three out there, but that one three hit was the one that made uh, that set the stage for Doncic's takeover there. Paul George, playoff P, in reference to, of course, Paul George's first initial of his first name, Paul P. Obviously, we know that. Playing more, as we've seen on Twitter, like playoff P, P-E-E. And yes, it is true. Went 3 of 14 from the field. His third straight bad game shooting after a really good game one. He did give you eight rebounds. He did give you three assists. But at some point in time, that lack of shot making is going to negatively affect George, if it hasn't already, because yes, he brings other things to the table, but right now, he's looked upon as, as, a, as a second piece to score. He wasn't the first, he wasn't the second, he wasn't the third, he wasn't even the fourth highest scorer on the team. For the record, that was obviously Lou Will, Kawhi Leonard, um, Avicii Zubac, and then we go down to Paul George with nine, Landry Sham with eight, um... And on my fault, I'm sorry, he was fifth. Jermichael Green. I mean, Reggie Jackson had a very efficient 14 points. Four rebounds and, and two assists, even though, of course, he did give up that game shot. He, 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 he's he been okay for uh, the Clippers. Obviously, his better alternatives. I liked that they started Shamit. And I don't think Shamit did horribly. But I, I guess Doc saw something in Reggie Jackson that aside from his relatively hot shooting, no one else saw because... Uh, Reggie did get the, the, the edge in minutes there. But in general, Dallas was led, obviously, by Doncic. We can't talk enough about him, but it was more of a team performance. Trey Burke, who has played so well in Dallas, and I spoke about this, well, not on this podcast, but years back, saying that if any small offensively-minded guard, if there was any team in the league I would want him on, it would be Dallas because we've already seen how Rick Carlisle can make that work. With just small-minded scoring guards in general, Jameer Nelson had an electric 2015 first half of the year in Dallas. J.J. Barea has made a career in Dallas. Devin Harris has done good in small three-guard three lineups. Um, everyone remembers Raymond Felton back in the day did the exact same thing. Carlisle just has a gift with just diminutive small scoring guards. He just has a way with them. Rodrigo Boubois, does anyone remember him? Him as well. These guys who are smaller, and yeah, they're focused more on the offensive end, but he plays them in ways that kind of adds to their strengths, and, and they're able to produce relative magic for where they're at. And that's what Trey Burke has continued to do, and he did again tonight. 25 points, 10 of 14 from the field, four big threes, five rebounds, only one assist, but you know what he's on the floor to do. Speaking of the guard, Seth Curry, very efficient, 15 points as well. Boban played well, 10 points. 
a uh, couple boards, seven of them. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21. It, it was a, a, a mix of, of, of everyone. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I didn't even realize was on the floor for that much. He played 19 minutes, uh, three points, four rebounds. But in general, you know, the Mavericks played without Kristaps Porzingis. You know, he's been up and down um, battling that, that, that knee pain that he's had. And so this was this was big. This this was big for them. Um, the Mavericks in general, just the way that they've been able to play, and, and shorthanded too. Like I said, without Porzingis and that right knee soreness, without with everyone knowing that Doncic is the the primary offensive fulcrum for the Mavericks, and since we should mention this, he's also playing hampered with that sprained ankle, which is obviously slowing him down a little bit. He wasn't able to go all the way to the rim down the stretch. He really wasn't able to make it to the rim in general. He had nice craft and finishes where he used his body to to manufacture space and then finish around the rim. But for the most part, there was there was no, you know, dead drives to the basket. And when it got especially down to crunch time, you know, with the shot clock going down, it was only the step back three he had or some awkward in-between shot with the defense draped all over him. And even with all of that, even with all of that, the fact that he was able to put up a very efficient 43 points, 58% shooting, y'all. Rack up as many rebounds as he did and the assist and control the game for all from all facets for the Dallas Mavericks. The dude is a legend. Luke, a legend. I mean, that is what he is. I, I can't seem to wax poetic about him enough in what he's brought to the table and going into this I thought that the Clippers had the personnel to stop Luke I really did I thought okay he'll get his points he'll he'll he'll, he'll make an impact on the game he might have one or two games that that are his and primarily because he's that good of a player but then I'm like at the end of the day they have Kawhi Leonard they have Paul George those are two very good dare I say elite wing defenders even though Paul George has definitely lost a step or two and Kawhi Leonard uh, at least laterally, at least quickness-wise, has also lost a little bit as well. These guys are still people you do not want to play or have you guarding, and especially in the fact that Luka is not a blazing fast forward in that respect anyway. His pace, to me, is more of what a Paul George would prefer on the defensive end, more of what a Kawhi Leonard would prefer on the defensive end. But the fact that, I mean, he's an all-time great. Already. Already. I, 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 I don't even feel... Like, I'm saying a hot take at this point. I'm sure y'all agree with me. And, and that's both insanely just ludicrous, but also just a testament to how good this guy is. Especially just the development that he's had. Like, what do you do? What do you do? You try to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, Rick Carlos done a great job of making sure that other playmakers are on the court um, as the best playmakers that they have. Um, there's enough shooting on the court, even if I would prefer that Maxi Kleber... Uh, would actually make a three over five today, two of eight from the field. Um, just in general, I wish he would just do a little more on the offensive end. But they're they're playing well, and they don't have anyone that can, I, I guess, make Luca uncomfortable. Except maybe Luca, you know. A uh, shout out to Lawrence Brooks, host Hoopball Mavs. Uh, he 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 wanted to make a note, and I feel obligated as not only an SBC alum but a Hoopball brother with this guy here that you know if the media start using uh. Luca legend during the week remember where we heard this moniker first we get you Lawrence I know where I heard it from I do all right it's from Sway in the morning no I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> anyways uh what a game series tied 2-2 I saw the Clippers winning in six so my prediction is not off but we'll see what happens um because the way the Mavericks have been in every game so far they arguably could have won game one before that ejection of Porzingis I mean 
Who really knows right now? Clippers have adjustments to make. Mavericks can hope that a little bit of time will bring back Porzingis and also uh, give some more healing to Doncic's, excuse me, Doncic's, I'm just going to not pronounce it, Luka's ankle. (laughs) How about that, y'all? And see where he goes from here because he's important. But early returns are positive. Totally influenced the game, dropped a 40-point triple-double and hit a game winner all on a sprained ankle. So if he can do that, man, I mean, uh, the sky's the limit for the dude, right? It is so crazy how good he is. Wow. All right, y'all. Now, I know none of y'all used our, uh, 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 any betting on this game. There was, there, was no, there was no betting here on this one, right? Nobody thought that it would be a two-point spread. I'm not even going to embarrass this pod and the great people who I work with on HoopBall by using uh, betting vernacular that I'm not aware of because I am not a betting man. I'm not. I think I am until I constantly lose. But I can point you in the right direction if you are a betting person. And that place is my bookie. It has everything. It does everything. It's a home run. It's a triple overtime game-winning shot. Basically an overtime game-winning shot if you think about Luka Doncic's shot. It's it's all of that. It's all wrapped into one. My bookie is up to minute odds on all your favorite teams. And come on now, it's the playoffs. There's never been a better time to start playing. Really. There really hasn't. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet. You win. They pay. Uh, I repeat. You bet. You win, they pay, okay? Feeling good about your MLB team's chances this year? Yes, that's right. In the midst of all this basketball, there is indeed baseball. Be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. If y'all want a testament, maybe some true stories about this, ask me about being a Laker fan from the years 2014 through 2019. I actually include 2019 as well. Why not? Okay, I'm just saying. I can show you about believing your squad. But why stop at basketball? Why stop at baseball? Because guess what? Smart bettors are always looking toward the future. And that means basketball. That means baseball. That means hockey. That means football. That means online games. Online sports betting. My book is accepting future bets on all of that. All of that. All right? There's never been a better time to start exploring it than right now. Join today. My book will match your deposit 100%. That's 100. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager just in case you want to get your feet wet in that baseball game. All you got to do is enter hoop ball. That's the promo code. Hoop, hoop, hoop ball. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L when signing up. Hoop ball all together, one word. That's right. Hoop ball. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. I honestly, I don't know, y'all. I don't think there's a better combination out there. Y'all have to uh, enlighten me on that one. The Boston Celtics are moving on to the next round. The Philadelphia 76ers are moving on out of Orlando. That's right. The Celtics completed the sweep. They grabbed the broom, and with a 110-106 win, they took care of the 76ers. Jason Tatum, 28 points strong, blazing strong first round for him. He also added a playoff career-high 15 rebounds. Uh, Kemba Walker chipped in with 32 points, and I say chipped in. I'm being sarcastic. That's a, a major addition. Boston put away in the fourth quarter from a very tight very desperate Philadelphia team that was really, really trying to stay in it. Joel Embiid led the 76ers as always. I'm being a little sarcastic there, but for the most part, he really has been that that one consistent piece for them. Uh, 30 points, 10 rebounds. Tobias Harris actually woke up in this one. Elimination game, no less. Added 20 points, 5 rebounds. He did have a scary fall that ended up with a bloody uh, left eye. That was, that was pretty rough, um, but he was able to come through and still continue to play. Uh, what happened was he was trying to contest a shot by Tatum with about two minutes left in the third quarter. He had his legs taken out from under him by Tatum. He found the left side of his face. It, it was pretty rough. And those plays are always rather dangerous. 
Uh, medical staff attended him. He was out for a little bit of time. He had a left eye laceration. He was cleared of a possible concussion. He did return to the game with about five minutes left in the fourth, and he was just trying to do whatever he could to win. Um, but with Harris out, Boston took advantage. They scored the final nine points in the third quarter. That was part of their 12-0 run. Uh, by the fourth quarter, the Celtics' lead was 96-79. Uh, I guess I can use a quote by Joel Embiid. I think there's a little bit more than what Joel's trying to say, but basically what he said is, it just feels like we're the Sixers. We always have some type of bad luck. That sucks. I don't know, though. I think it's bad luck and some bad front office management and some bad coaching down the stretch and some bad management of egos, and there's a lot. There's a lot. Brett Brown probably is... Coach's last game with the Philadelphia 76ers, he will not have seen the full evolution of the process, and that is a tragedy. But I'm, I'm pretty sure... That is it. The, the way the wind was out of the 76ers' sails, they were intense all around. Philadelphia had several guys draw technical fouls. Tobias got one. Josh Richardson got one. Brett Brown got one. Uh, Marcus for Boston, if you want to count that, on their end. Just, they were there. They had the fight. They had the bark. It took them a while to get there, but they did. And they did their best adjusting or trying to hang in defensively without Ben Simmons, one of their best defenders, their single-handed best defender, Joel Embiid. Back-to-back three-point games in games two and three. Did it again here in game four. You know, he had had trouble keeping up with the scoring load in the second half of these games. Uh, Al Horford didn't help with the way he's played. Tobias Harris hasn't helped with the way he's played. Um, It's just been rough. It's just been rough. Uh, Brown and a little bit of maybe CYA, cover your uh, behind or whatever the case may be. He was asked if he's been able to show his best coaching effort in spite of the injuries down the stretch, and he said no. But I think it's a lot more than that. Obviously, no. But I don't think he was showing his best effort even when they had everyone available. And listen, I'm not here for the full uh, autopsy on the 76ers. That's for another episode of this podcast at another time. But there's a lot of questions that Philadelphia has to look going into the future. Are they going to move one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? Is Brett Brown out the door? Yes, he's out the door. Answer that for you. How are they going to get more playmaking, shooting, whatever the case may be? Can they ascertain the needs that they have? Because the fan base can, and the media seems to be able to, but for whatever reason, Philadelphia seems to be in a bubble, pun, you know, excuse the pun there, of their own making in terms of insulating themselves from the true makeup of this team, and that zigging while zagging doesn't always work, especially when you're zigging in a spot that seems pretty elementary for a successful basketball team. It just does. Going to run through Philadelphia. Last time we were reading their stats for a while. Um, already mentioned Tobias to 20. Al Horford cracked double digits, had 12 points, 6 to 10 shooting. And B played well, relatively. Josh Richardson had 14. Shake Milton had 14. Alec Burks had 13. And that's really it, as it's been pretty much his entire round for the playoffs, for the Blazers. I mean, Blazers, for the 76ers. Milton, Richardson, Burks, between 13 and 15 points on middling efficiency. Uh, Richardson got to the line eight and nine times, all that in the first quarter. Uh, two of 10 from the field overall. Milton, 5 of 11. Uh, Burks, 6 of 16. That's really it. And then Harrison Horford, and that's what they had. And when you had that much of your payroll going to two guys who tremendously underperformed in Harris and Horford, that's an issue. It really is. And those guys are going to be on contract for a while. And I don't think this is the most robust trade market for those guys at this point, especially in light of how they have performed. So, yeah, that should be very, very interesting for the 76ers. And like I said, we'll break it down. We'll get down to this more. Cap situation, draft, all of that good stuff for Philadelphia. And it's really not good because look where they are. But y'all know what I mean. For Boston, already mentioned Kemba Walker, already mentioned Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, 16 points. Five rebounds, two assists. Daniel Tice hit a couple of big threes. Uh, just enough to stretch the floor out and 
force Embiid to kind of pay attention to him. 15 points, 4 rebounds. If there's one thing I, I worry about, aside from Jason Tatum and his career high 15 rebounds, nobody else on the clip on the Celtics roster even sniffed 6 rebounds. Eh, let's not say that. Brown had 5, Tice, Tice had 4, Smart had 5, Walker had 4. No one sniffed 7. That was it. 15, and then your next highest rebound was 5. And yes, the Celtics did kind of a joint effort here. Everyone grabbed a couple. You know what I mean? The, the, the Romeo Langford got one in three minutes, you know? Only one who didn't get any was Grant Williams in the time he played. But that's not enough. It's not enough. That's pure shot making. 76 has too many problems on either end of the floor to really worry about, you know, controlling the rebounding battle, at least in, in the way that they should have. But they, they just they just weren't able to. I mean, they, 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 they're going to be they're going to be pressed in that way. You know, and it says a lot that they out-rebounded Philadelphia. It really does. But that that's what I would say. Uh, Boston just shot better from all facets of the field. From three. Uh, Philadelphia shot slightly better from free throw range. Free throw, you know, from the free throw line. But that was all they had. And you know what? It's going to be Boston. And we'll see uh, how they perform in the second round. Obviously not having Gordon Hayward will be big. And we're going to talk about this more in... Uh, Probably have William on. We'll figure it out as far as talking about the second round uh, previews here. But Boston's moving on. They, I hope they're able to cut their teeth in a little bit here and get something of a workout and something of getting their guys together. It sucks that they lost Gordon Hayward uh, down the stretch, especially with a much stronger opponent. I don't want to bury the lead here, but, you know, waiting for them in the second round. So that'll be interesting to see. But this Philadelphia team, I mean, they beat themselves up as much as they were beaten from the Boston Celtics. I think it's fair to say that, and it's tragic to say that. But. You know, offseason starts for them, and it starts now. Another team swept, y'all. Serge Ibaka and Norman Powell combined for 56 points. Yep, 56 massive points as the Toronto Raptors broke out the broom for the Brooklyn Nets and sent them home, or they're in the process of going home, with a 150-122 to win. Um, it was a shell-shacking from the jump. Despite a big loss for the Raptors, as Kyle Lowry uh, had an ankle injury, limped off the floor in the first quarter. And that's something that the Raptors will definitely need moving forward, especially since they'll be matching up with the Celtics and the NBA is wasting no time. That second-round matchup, the first of the season of this playoffs, will be on Thursday. So we have an initial second-round matchup already set. But fear not for this game, because they did not need Kyle Lowry. Norm Powell scored 29 Serge Baca added 27 points, 15 rebounds, and it really wasn't even close. The Raptors got 100 points off their bench, 100 points off the bench, most in any game since official starters began, began keeping track in 1971. No bench has scored more than 94 in the regular season or 86 in the postseason. Um, that's just the confidence of the team being able to have multiple guys step up and bring it for Toronto, which is one of the deeper teams in the NBA, and and I've said this before, just one of the most well-balanced and, and, and well-executed teams out there. Um, Pascal Siakam had 20 points and 10 assists, and with this win, the Raptors have gone to 11-1 in the bubble, and they've made it clear they're one of the top teams, as we already known, with or without Kawhi Leonard. Um, for Brooklyn, Karis LeVert finally came through with a big offensive game. He scored 35 points uh, in a game that was kind of a, a shootout, really, offensively. I mean, it was pretty crazy. Uh, looking aside from that for Brooklyn, aside from Karis LeVert, who actually had his most efficient game of of, of the series as well. Uh, 47% from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, 
7 to 10 from the free throw line, gave six assists as well. Jared Allen did not have a, a very explosive game, 15 rebounds, only eight points. Um, Tyler Johnson and Timothy Liao Cabarro were cold. Uh, Garrett Temple only had 10 points. So really most of the offense, although everyone chipped in, they had five different players in double digits. They were led by Kyra Silver was 35 with no other player adding more than Tyler Johnson's 13. Um, for Brooklyn, I mean, everyone got on, off the bench and was able to uh, contribute a basket because, you know, it was a blowout. So that was something to take away for Brooklyn. But going back to Toronto, we already mentioned Pascal with 20, Norman Powell with 29, Terrence Davis at 14, Matt Thomas at 12. Everyone on the Raptors also scored. So there you go with that. Uh, Fred Van Vliet had a quiet game, but he only had to play 18 minutes. Uh, Marcus Saul, 9 points in 20 minutes. And, you know, he, he had 4 rebounds and 5 assists as well. It, there isn't really a whole lot to break down this matchup. Brooklyn was just overly depleted. You know, they didn't have enough pop. Um, Levert had 26 points at the half, and that was the only thing that kept it from getting out of hand. And he actually helped a Toronto lead that was 17 get trimmed down to a to a nine-point game at half by halftime. But honestly, the Raptors blew it open for good once the third quarter started. Mount Norman Powell hit three straight three-pointers for a 12-0 run. That doubled the lead to 94-70. Then Ibaka hit two straight threes. Then Terrence Davis hit one at the buzzer. By the end of the third quarter, it was 116-87. And honestly, at that point, I was like, okay, we're done. Um, the Nets were swept for the first time since Miami beat them four straight in the first round in 2005. Remember, that was with uh, the good old... Uh, Think was it the year that Vince Carter was traded there? Yes, he was, and also Jason Kidd as well. Um, Richard Jarvis in that squad. Levert has the last two 30 point games against Toronto. The Raptors hadn't given up 30 point games since he scored 37 back in um, back on February 8th, which was if y'all did not remember back when the regular season was still in play. Um, other than that, this was crazy. Toronto has now beaten the Nets for the first time in their three postseason meetings. Uh, the Nets won a playoff series against them in New Jersey. Uh, as a member of the New Jersey Nets back in 2007, and then they won in 2014 um, when they were led by, of course, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And both times, the Nets were the sixth seed. So that's a little bit of trivia there for you. Um, other than that, really kind of straightforward. Again, we'll have to look deeper into how the Celtics and Raptors will match up. That playoff matchup is certainly intriguing. Uh, Coach Nurse was was honored at midcourt after being voted coach of the year. Uh, he improved the 28th of the postseason. That's one shy of Dwayne Casey's franchise record for playoff victories. And, you know, he's been great. He's been great. Um, in one of the field house, in the field house, one of the arenas specifically being used by Disney, Toronto improved to 7-0. and So right now, they're, they're flaming hot. They do have to monitor the progress of one Kyle Lowry and see, you know, how he is playing and not how he's playing, how he will adjust, because ankle injuries, as we've seen, can, can be very detrimental, and then we've also seen players like Luka Doncic uh, come through in spite of those, so it'll be important to look at moving forward how he'll go, and with such a quick turnaround time, you know they'll have round-the-clock treatment from now until Thursday, till they suit up for game one of the second round. Then Dallas, ugh, Dallas, I'm excusing me, the Denver Nuggets, they are pushed to the absolute brink, down three games to one, and I don't know. The Utah Jazz are not the Golden State Warriors. But last I also checked, the Denver Nuggets do not have a prime LeBron James or any uh, version of LeBron. So I'm not super optimistic on their chances of coming back. But enough of that. Let's get on with the game. Mitchell 
was the story of the game. He's been really the story of the series. He scored 51 points tonight, 18 of them in the fourth quarter. And with that, they got another 50-point game. Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets scored 50. But the Jazz behind Mitchell were able to outlast Denver, 129-127. to And Mitchell was red hot. Remember, he scored 57 points in game one. So now 51 points in game four. He was 15 to 27 from the floor. He was 17 to 18 from the free throw line. He was just insane. He couldn't be stopped off of switches, off of attacks. There was one um, just, it, it felt like the the sequence of the night where in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, Mitchell went for a drive, um, went to put up a layup, and Paul Millsap slapped it away. Kind of gave him the stare, and I was getting hyped. Like, all right, old man, Millsap, let's go. Let's go. Get hype. Get hype. Very next play, inbound the ball. Mitchell has the ball in an ISO on Millsap. And at that point in my head, I'm going, oh, no. That sucks. Quick right, left to right, crossover. Have Millsap shift his feet real quick. Quick right back into a three-point shot. Millsap out of position. Mitchell drains the buzzer. The the, the, the buzzer. I'm not saying buzzer, but he, he, drained the, he drained the ish. And then he has some words, not even directly to Millsap, but just to anybody. He was just that electric out there um it was a mess it was a mess uh, the way that he's been playing has been insane to, to think that he's only 23 and doing that i mean what do you say what do you say to that right he's one of only two other guys to have done that in the playoffs other being Allen iverson and michael jordan you know putting up multiple 50 point games in a playoff series like it, it's insanity um, not to be outdone, well, ultimately in the game he was, but Jamal Murray played well too. Honestly, the second half offense for the Denver Nuggets was getting the ball to Jamal Murray and create, and then do it again and create again, and then can you hit a three, Jamal? Great. And then, you know, you have a step back in you? Okay, great. And, and do it again. Um, Nikola Jokic, you know, he, he played okay. Um, real quick, I have to drop this on Murray. Murray's uh, points that he scored is 51 were the most ever by a Denver player in a postseason game, um, surpassing Spencer Hayward's mark of 45 in an ABA playoff contest on April 19th, 1970. Uh, which, I mean, th- that would be the second one. You know, that, that was a, he had a lot of points. Oh, he had 36 in the first, and then 50 in the in 50, 50, uh, 50 in this one. It, it was just crazy. But uh, going to Jokic, who <sighs> I'm not sure. Jokic had 29 points. Jokic had three dunks. Jokic isn't even known for his dunking, and and he had a couple of those. Uh, He threw in seven rebounds. He added six assists, 50% from the field. You can't complain with with that. Three of ten from three, eh, you can pick some bones with that. But in my own opinion, and this is just me speaking frank, I don't think that Jokic has played with the type of... I'm looking for the word. The type of energy, desperation, tenacity, reflective of a team that could have been down 3-1. He didn't play that way in Game 3 either. Like, where is the, hey, we're in a playoff game. It's time to represent. It's time to step up and and really show off for my team as one of the best players on the team, arguably the best, and the leader. Let, let me show why. And I say arguably the best because with the way Jamal Murray's been playing and the heart and fight that he's been showing and the lack that I've seen from Jokic, I'm, I'm starting to subtly shift. Maybe I'm a little high. Maybe it's a little a hot take reactionary. I'm not I'm not immune to that. Y'all know it. Y'all, y'all hear this podcast. But that's what I'm getting is that, you know, it's possible. It's possible. So, I don't know. I um, Ultimately, I just feel like the Nuggets are out of this. 
I don't think it's super crazy to think that they're done. Um, it's been a blast. <laughs> Not really. Injuries, obviously, you know, losing Gary Harris, losing Will Barton probably were too much. Uh, they did, uh, the Denver Nuggets did make a tactical adjustment, uh, especially after just giving away combined uh, 56-something-odd points, losing by combined 56 points over the last two games. Malone made a defensive adjustment, bringing in Monty Morris and Jeremy Grant to start alongside Millsap, Jokic, and Murray. And that kind of helped. Uh, Jeremy Grant offensively, you know, eight shots, 50% on everything, four rebounds, two assists. He did fall out. And Morris helped a little bit, mostly not in scoring because he shot 30% from the field, didn't hit a three, uh, only had three assists. But by him bringing the ball up the court, it was able to free Jamal Murray to focus more on scoring, which is what he did uh, in great abundance tonight. And that helped him play. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. only played 23 minutes. You know he's just as awful defensively today as he was in Game 3, as in Game 2, and Game 1. And this time his offense wasn't fully there. Nine points, four rebounds. Uh, aside from that, Torrey Craig, you know, gone is the hot shooting he had from Game 1. Uh, two points in 18 minutes. Two rebounds as well. The, the Nuggets were really getting all their offense from two people, Jamal Murray and Jokic. And when you really look at it down the stretch, it was really just coming from Jamal Murray. And... I don't know. Jamal Murray's such an interesting player to think about because I don't understand if he's, you know, a, a star, if he's a, a upper echelon a point guard in the league. You know, I look at him as middle of the pack. He has these performances that are so crazy in this playoff. You know, he had playoff games last year that were really good. He's had really two good, two good playoff games this year. But he's also two stinkers that were just like, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know what to make of him. Um, I'm really not sure what to make of Jokic after what I've seen so far. Gobert's been taking his lunch. Gobert has. In fact, let's just run through the Jazz really quick. Uh, this isn't a box score breakdown. I do a lot of the numbers just to kind of give a uh, insight into how I see them through the box score. But if you're really looking for in-depth analysis based off the box score fantasy perspective, check out Box Score Breakdown, another member of the Hoopball Podcast Network. Uh, they do this a lot more than me. I'm just doing the, the main numbers just so y'all get a, a feel for who was doing more of the heavy damage and how players were contributing on the floor aside from my own. Eh, he did okay. and eh, he didn't. So... Just a little insight there for you. Obviously, aside from Donovan Mitchell, 51, you had a very efficient Mike Conley night. 26 points, four threes, four assists, played very well. Rudy Gobert, when you get a double-double, shooting 87% from the floor, you know what you're doing, you know where to finish, and you're doing that. And that's what he did. 17 points, 11 rebounds. Didn't have a steal or a block. No defensive stats to speak of. But, you know, he, he Jokic had 29 points, but didn't feel like he was scoring them a lot easier. A lot of his shots were off of jumpers from mid-range to three that Gobert didn't fully come out to. But he had a good game. Royce O'Neal, you know, the defensive effort that he put out was there, uh, which is funny when you're talking about a guy scoring 50 and a 127-129 a loss. But uh, other than that, it wasn't a lot for him. Four points, five rebounds. Uh, Joe Ingles went 0 for, like 0 for everything. Uh, in fact, his game, 34 minutes of mostly empty play. I didn't really even register he was out there. Uh, the real guy off the bench, the real hero for the Utah Jazz, arguably the next most important player for them tonight in their win aside from Donovan Mitchell, and Mike Conley was Jordan Clarkson. Because with Jordan Clarkson, as we know, in previous stops with the Cavs and with the Lakers, it's feast or famine. And tonight the Jazz feasted. 24 points, 3 rebounds, 9-13 from the field, 4-7-3. No assists, because you know it's not what you're getting from Clarkson. He gets the ball, he shoots. He misses it, he gets it again, he shoots again. Like, there is no uh, variation here. He might walk into an assist or, you know, accidentally get that. But that's a nice type of play. And, you know, credit to him, he knows that. He plays within the strength, which is filling up the basket or at least getting the attempts up to the basket. So that's what helped the Jazz in their win. And honestly, uh, 
they they just can't stop Donovan Mitchell. He is just on fire. Uh, he you know Tory Craig was getting it. Jeremy Grant was getting it. Jamal was getting it. Everybody was getting it. Millsap got it. You know it was a very tight game, especially in the first half. Twelve lead changes and four ties there alone. The biggest lead in general was eight by Denver. So you could tell Denver was scrapping and fighting in there, but it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, Gary Harris was upgraded to doubtful for uh, this game four, but obviously didn't play with that hip injury still. Uh, Will Barton just consider him gone. Uh, and that's honestly it. That's honestly it. Uh, I will close with one funny thing that Malone said. Uh, they were asking what areas the team need to work on against Utah. And Malone said, quote, we're really close. I think it comes down to two things. If we do these two things right, we're going to have a chance. Our offense and our defense. <laughs> and honestly, that was just the most fun to me. I'm like, you know the Nuggets have fight, at least certain players. I'm still not totally sold out on on Jokic as of yet. I just don't know. Maybe, you know, he had, it's, he had COVID. It's been a long year. Maybe he's, you know, he's a, an emotional person with peaks and valleys. Maybe there was something there. But that's what I'm ascertaining. But, I mean, there it is. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the Nuggets have fight. You know Malone does. Murray seemed motivated. You know that they're going to have it. And we'll have to see because uh, it, it could be closed out as soon as Tuesday by the, Den- by the Utah Jazz. All right, so today's slate of games. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern, it's the NBA TV special, Milwaukee Bucks versus the Orlando Magic. Then it turns to TNT for a triple header. You have the Rockets versus the Thunder, the Pacers versus the Heat, and the Lakers versus the Blazers. So we'll see what happens there. Just for the quick rundown, Houston leads two games to one. Miami is essentially going for the sweep over Indiana, and I think they'll get it. And Los Angeles is also up two games to one over the Blazers. Aside from all of that, y'all, that is it for NBA Today. It's been your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me at CorbinMBA. Please thank you. Also, rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate it. Help me feel good about myself and my life. If y'all could. I don't want to put any pressure on y'all. But if that's possible, I would just be utterly, just, I would be so devoted to my loving viewers who I don't know, but I would just appreciate it. So make sure you do that. While you're at it, you might as well check out you know all the other hoop ball productions that are out there but but first and foremost nba today i'm gonna be a little selfish there and until we talk tomorrow y'all stay frosty folks all right y'all This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.